it is um, it is Mission Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month. We always uh, we've renewed our missions, faith, promise, commitments, and some of you are already taking care of that. You already know how to do that. And uh, if you haven't, there's faith promise cards in the in the foyer. But we are so thrilled to be able to take part every year on this Sunday in a project. Miss Melissa prays about it, and the Lord puts a, a ministry on her heart. And this year, she, she's picked this ministry. You're going to be so blessed. Uh, we go way back with the Freemans. Uh, we, as we reminisced, he was at CBC. They met at a CBC, Central Bridal College. Uh, I mean, uh, Bible College. <laughs> they met there. And then they went on to Jimmy Swaggart's in 85. We got to Jimmy Swaggart's in 86 and graduated in 88. Then we went on to CBC in 89. They came back to Springfield in 88 to go to seminary. Uh, Mark, he might have been in seminary with you when you were up at the AG headquarters up there. But, uh, but anyway, their journey is similar to ours. They were in Louisiana, New Orleans, the School of Urban Missions for many years and uh, helped to plant that and to bring it uh, to accreditation both in Oakland, California, and in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so we watched their ministry. They've been friends, long-time friends. This past summer, we had a chance to go down to Louisiana on our missions trip. So I think we have a couple of photos, do we, to show you what it, uh, what we did under the bridge in New Orleans. We were able to pass out, went to their church. We uh, made up bags like this in this kit. Uh, and we went under the bridge, and we started passing out these kits to the homeless um, in here, there's there's always food. They put food in here, hygiene things in here. Uh, this is some of the things that we did. Any more pictures? Is that it? Okay. There's a couple of them. Is there only one picture or did I miss it? Uh, what's that? It's frozen. Oh, okay. Shall we sing the song? <laughs> let it go. Let it go. So at the end, we're going to sing the song, Tell You Let Your Money Go, right? Let it go, let it go. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Uh, $10 buys one of these kits to give to uh, the homeless. Uh, it's just to show you. Pastor Anthony's going to preach. Oh, there we go. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's what's in the kit. And uh, we had masks on because we were still in the middle of COVID, but COVID did not uh, threaten or scare or put fear in Oak Grove Assembly. It put faith in us. We said, we're going to go right to the homeless in New Orleans and help them. And we did. And we did. And there we are. Beautiful. And uh, they're tense. They're homeless. They're sleeping under the bridge there. And uh, and we went right to them. And uh, that's what we did just this summer. But Pastor Anthony and his church and his team, they do that every, every week. Uh, they are very familiar with their church. They know they can be there if they have a need. They're in day in and day out. We took upon uh, his son, Justice, and his wife, and also uh, the Freeman, uh, Anthony, and his wife. We took them both on as missionaries, uh, home missionaries with Simmons of God. Would you go, help me give God praise? We support him already, so so we support him every That's what Faith Promise does. But today is just a chance for you to give toward this ministry. He's going to tell you a whole lot more about uh, Bridges Bible College, Christian Bible College, that... Um, that they uh, took part of that was already started, but somebody gave it to us. In fact, the president of Evangel, I believe, uh, that came here uh, was the one that started it, pioneered the ministry, Bridges uh, uh, Christian Bible College. And when he came uh, north in uh, North Carolina, he turned that ministry over to the Freemans, and they uh, have taken it to another level. It's so exciting what God is doing 
and a couple of Oak Groveites, a couple of Oak Grove people are going to be in, involved in this ministry uh, of Bible school. He'll tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, making Christian education or, or ministry preparation affordable to people with a call of God. Whether it's urban ministry or rural ministry, we have to raise up pastors and leaders and missionaries and workers. In, in light of the fact that CBC is closed, it wasn't the only school in town, but it, it, had, it had a vision. It had a vision to raise up and train missionaries and, and uh, leaders uh, in the ministry, pastors. And so we are all both byproducts of CBC, HTS, Jimmy Swagger Bible College, whatever you want. Uh, one thing about Jimmy Swagger, say what you want. He underwrote dollar for dollar everything I paid to, that, to go to that school. And if the church doesn't rise up and underwrite some of these students, they're going to have a, a debt so high they can't even go take a church. I wish somebody was hearing me today. So if we're going to propagate the gospel to another generation, if we're going to raise up another generation of leaders empowered by the Spirit to, to take the, uh, the last day's harvest, we're going to have to partner with ministries like this. And so I'm so honored. Anthony is a friend of mine. We, we have lots in common. We're thankful for the passion and the purpose and the plans that God has for them. Help me welcome, uh, Ozark welcome, Pastor Anthony Freeman. Come on. Come on, Pastor. He got a word from the Lord for you. You want to roll the video? Roll his first video, and then we'll let him come preach. Let it go, let it go. Hey, you know what? The devil fights when you're about to be embarking on darkness and taking darkness back. So so uh, anyway, let me tell you about Dr. Sandoz, why that is unfreezing. Uh, Dwight Sandoz is at, at um, Trinity Bible College, and his precious family is here. They just surprised me. They just surprised me. I only met him online on a Zoom call. Uh, but he called me to speak to rural pastors in, uh, in, at the school and pastors that are all over the nation. He wants to raise up uh, an army, an army of pastors that will take in the rural communities. Did you know that over 83% of the Assemblies of God is in a rural setting? Our churches were planted in rural communities. And there's pastors there that, that need to be trained and raised up. And so I appreciate, would you help me appreciate Dr. Dwight Sandoz and his family? Thank you, Pastor, for being with us. And while that is unfreezing, would you like to greet us? Would you stand and greet us today and tell us how happy you are to be with us? Here, come on up. Give it up for Brother Sandoz today. It's wonderful to be here with you. Uh, we love the rural church, and uh, obviously America is full of rural churches. So uh, we discovered, we did some research a couple years ago that uh, I noticed when I was traveling that there were so many of our rural pastors were older. So we did some research to discover that almost 50% of rural pastors today are the age of 60 and over. That means that in the near future, there will be more than 2,500 rural churches come open and we don't have bench strength to replace them. So we're raising up rural people out of the rural church because oftentimes people from a city, even as large as Springfield, are reticent to go to the little towns like Iberia, which you mentioned we've been there. So the whole plan for us is to raise up literally an army. And more, uh, according to Dr. Glenn Damon from Village Mission, more than half of the people in all over the world uh, come out of the rural church. So, so with, with that understanding that, that most people have, that end up in ministry, so if we raise up thousands of leaders, a big percentage are still going to end up in the urban environment. So we have this this call and sense of God. Amen. Thank you, Doctor. 
Thank you, Dr. Sandoz. And thank you for the opportunity to speak to those rural pastors. It was a wonderful blessing and an honor. And uh, Pastor, just come introduce yourself until that unfreezes. And then one more time, give it up for Anthony Freeman and his beautiful family. God bless you, buddy. It's, uh, it's uh, two things. It's in, the, it's in the church van and in the sound and in the media is demons. We just have to cast them out every now and then, you know. It's not the people. I mean, oh, give, me, give God praise for the people that work this stuff. It's not them. It's just technology. Don't you love it? Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord praise this morning. God's worthy, amen? He's worthy. Man, that song lit me up. Praise God. Man, we were singing favor, the favor of God over ourselves, amen? Come on, church. The word of God. Amen. As the heavens are higher than the earth, his word is higher. His thoughts, his, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts as the heavens are higher than the earth. Amen. It says as the snow comes down, rain comes down, waters the earth, does, and, and, and uh, does not return again till it brings forth seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So as my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return void, but accomplish the task that it was sent forth to do. And then he said, you go out with joy. Come on, church. Go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills would burst forth in laughter. All the trees of the field would clap their hands. Praise God. That's the word of God, church. We have the word of God. Amen. Well, we're so good to, uh, we're so glad to be here with you this morning. So thankful for you. Thank you again for supporting us. And um, we, God called us as missionaries. Uh, about 29, 30 years ago, we were pastoring up in North Louisiana, and uh, right, we came out of seminary right here. We've spent quite a few years here in uh, in, in Springfield, and um, in '83, met my wife. And in fact, last night we went over to uh, Mexican Villa. I didn't know if uh, I didn't know if that was going to cost me today eating there, but uh, we went over there because we that was one of our dates we went on. You know, we couldn't afford much, but I think. I think you could get that enchilada covered burrito for just a few dollars over there. It's it's still pretty cheap, and uh, you know it was pretty good, man. It's pretty good. I was surprised. I guess that place is back from the fifties, and uh, but we went back there in nineteen eighty three and ate it. And I know, and then the ladies told me because there's nothing but white people in there. You know, there ain't no Mexicans in there. Nothing but white people in Mexican villa serving you and everything else. So they said it is a disclaimer. You know, right off the bat, you know, uh, hey, this ain't authentic. Well, I don't care what it was. It was cheap and it was good. And for a missionary, that's always good. So my wife and I went there last night and just had a good old time. So thankful to be back here with you. And, you know, we're thankful for Pastor Ron and his family. And, and, and we go way back. And uh, he's a Cajun. I grew up in Cajun country. Now I'm, I'm Native American. Uh, but I, when I was four, we moved down to New Iberia, Louisiana, and I grew up there. So I'm Cajun, you know. I, I grew up Cajun, crawfish, boudin. Come on, I brought him. I brought him some pralines from New Orleans. Yeah, you're gonna have to bribe. I mean, you're gonna have to bribe to get their good ones from New Orleans. And um, but we we eat real good down there. And um, but you know, missions. This is Mission Sunday, and I, I know it's Christmas, you know. But you know what? The whole story of Christmas is about missions. It's God's mission, amen? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The announcement to those uh, those shepherds, you know, that peace on earth, amen? Peace on earth and goodwill upon whom God's favor comes, amen? 
And I was thinking about this past year in 2020, I was reading different reports and you know that the past couple of years during this COVID years have been some of the most violent years in our nation's history. You know, some of the most violent years, most gun violence in 2020, most gun violence statistics right from the FBI and right here in our nation. And I just keep thinking, you know, that we keep, we keep worrying and people are arguing about politics, even Christians arguing about politics. Come on, church. We don't need to be arguing about no politics. No politicians going to come to save this planet, save this nation. There's only one good news, and that's from Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save the lost. Only Jesus Christ is the answer for what's going on in our country. Only Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to I want to turn over to Numbers chapter 16, verses 41 through 50, and want to pre- read that this morning. You know, the thing is, oh, I'll go ahead. Let's, uh, here's, uh, go ahead, go ahead and play it then. Compassion Corps International is all about missions. In the last year, we've been to 38 states from the West Coast to the East Coast and from the South all the way up to Alaska. I've been able to learn and experience so much as I've been immersed in all kinds of ministry, from evangelism to relief work, from kids ministry to youth ministry, and from filming to preaching, and then from the inner cities to the most remote areas in America. Here at CCI, you get to experience hands-on ministry and actually become a missionary. It's changed my life. I've gotten to see America and to see just how much people really need Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, God said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, here am I, Lord, send me. I believe there are others just like Isaiah who are willing to say yes, who will accept the calling that God has placed on their life. If you're a high school or college graduate, you have the opportunity to give the next 10 months of your life to serve others, to take part and learn missions and ministry, to go on an adventure, to see America. We're going back to Alaska. We're going to other U.S. missionaries all across the states to help further their ministry, to tell their story, and to help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you commit yourself to a life-changing goal? to allow God to use you in a way you've never been used before, to touch people you've never seen before or experienced before, and to come with us on a journey that will impact your life and impact the world around you. Come to Compassion Corps. It'll change your life. It'll change the world. That's our motto. Come to Compassion Corps. It's missions right now. That's the ministry that we are doing right now. It's out of our church down in New Orleans. And um, we, in, uh, we started pastoring in North Louisiana, and then we, um, God called us to New Orleans uh, back in uh, late 92, early 93, to plan a Bible college, train people for urban missions, School of Urban Missions. I'm one of the founders of SUM and served as the president for seven years, got the school accredited. And um, in 2004, God spoke to us about leaving there and um and then we um we stayed another year with the school and um got the school accredited and then one week before hurricane katrina 
I, I told the board, I said, we're, you know, it's time for us to leave. And that was one week before Katrina. And then we were engaged in all of that stuff that went on down there. And, um, and then God told us to plant a church as a ministry center, like a, I guess the closest thing would be, would be like a dream center. Many of you are familiar with the dream centers. We planted really a missions sending center, a mission center. We wanted to take all of the, the Bible colleges that we were connected with and the ministries and the DSOMs that we were connected with and the Compassion Corps, the training of ministers and all the ministry that, that we do. We were feeding, we started out of Katrina. We started feeding the homeless. This lady right here started cooking for the homeless every Wednesday night. There was 14,000. Now we didn't cook for 14,000, but there were hundreds of people that we fed from, from 2005. And she started cooking for the homeless on every Wednesday night. And we still do that every Wednesday night. We, uh, we go out into the, the streets and invite the homeless in and feed our community and, and uh, reach the very ones that God, those that are in, in desperate situations. You know that in our country, there's still 600 people groups with no gospel witness right here in our country. Do you know that the United States is the third largest missions continent in the entire world? That there are more, there are more Christians in Africa than there are in our country. That there are over 120 million unreached people in our nation. And many of them live in our urban centers. And of course, uh, I mean, what happens, I remember a quote from D.L. Moody. He says, if we reach the cities, we reach the nation. If we fail in the cities, the cities will become a cesspool that will spill over into the rest of the country. So it happens in the rural areas. It, everything, the drug culture has spilled into the rural areas. And our pastor was so right. I mean, there's so many, you know, we, we, our, our goal is not what's happening now. Our goal is for what is, needs to happen in the future. We need to train the next generation. That was the word that God spoke to me out of 2 Timothy 2. 2. Well, before we went to uh, New Orleans, the word God gave me, the things you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who teach others. And so it's all about that next generation. And so about three or four years ago, as God was, you know, we planted a church down there and we, we had 23 ministries, urban ministries operating out of there. Bridges Christian College was one of them. And our goal, we, we, we train people at for uh, $200 per semester, per trimester. Now, it doesn't cost that, but that's what we do because we believe in raising up people that can graduate with a Bible college degree, that they can go anywhere. Our students are going into uh, AGTS and Southwestern uh, master's programs and other master's programs. We've gone through the process of accreditation with ABHE and... Um, our students can get Pell Grants and that kind of thing now. But uh, our goal is to raise up the next generation of pastors, of missionaries, whether they be in the rural area, whether wherever they're going to go, that they're not going to come out strapped with $60,000 worth of debt. You know, if, you're, if you have $32,000 worth of debt coming out of Bible school, you can't be a missionary with the Assemblies of God. You know, folks, I'm telling you, we're strapping our own hands, folks. And we need to be about the Father's business, amen? And so whatever it takes. And so, um, you know, I turned the church over a couple of years ago to my oldest son, uh, Justice and his wife. And uh, I have four sons. They're all pastors. They're all in the ministry. And, and my, my oldest son now is the pastor and his wife. And we run Compassion Corps International, which we started about six or seven years ago as a way of combining the theological training, but to get ha practical hands-on training 
And so now my wife and I, for the last year, (laughs) you know, we've been traveling around the country with a group of, you know, college graduates. And we've our job now, I work with the national office as the director of missions advancement. And my job is to go and to spread the word, to partner with our 1,058 U.S. missionaries around our country in all kinds of settings. And we've been in Utah with, uh, with Dave Nicholson, who's, who's reaching Mormons in one of the highest, con- Orem, Utah. Salt Lake City is not the most, is not the highest concentration of, uh, Mormons. It's actually right next door, Orem, Utah. It's like 98% Mormon. And we have a missionary there planting a church. We have a missionary there planting a church, folks. I was with uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, with uh, Trey and Becky Hancock uh, at the beginning of the year, and uh, we went up there. And uh, Trey and Becky Hancock there in Dearborn, Michigan, right next to Detroit, hundred thousand people, forty thousand Muslims, forty thousand Muslims. I, 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 and so I go and I bring my camera here, and we film areas. I we filmed outside of one store, and the Muslims came running out. Man, I didn't think I was in America. They were speaking some other language I didn't even understand. But I knew they were upset about me having the camera there. And I said, oh, you know, I wanted to say, hey, man, this is America. But I knew that wouldn't have worked at that moment. But uh, God gave us favor because the missionary was there. And we we were there and had the privilege and honor of partnering with and, and filming and helping to tell the story of the Hancocks and the missionaries that are with them there. 40,000 Muslims, and they've been there for 30 years. Did you know that the Assemblies of God, when they send a world missionary, uh, you know, a foreign missionary to the field, to a Muslim country, they first send them to train with Trey and Becky Hancock right here in America. I'm talking about America, folks. There are places that didn't look like you were in our country anymore, and, and the Muslims, they're evangelistic. I sat through, I filmed inside of a mosque and sat through an imam evangelizing. That's what I had to sit through, his evangelization to me. For two days, just to be able to film the outside of his mosque. And I'm telling you what, they're evangelistic. They're spreading their word. They're spreading their message. They're not ashamed. And we have missionaries there, praise the Lord. We have missionaries there. We, we, we've gone to, um, we were in Alaska. And uh, now God is opening up a door in Alaska. Uh, we were there and God uh, just, uh, we had went there to meet, meet with the Gainies, Otis and uh, Deborah Gainey, who have been there 32 years. And, and some of the remote parts, you know, they told us stories, of, you know, of grizzly bears and polar bears and everything else you can imagine. And, uh, you know, and just, and, and, and all of these remote uh, ministries and, and, and remote areas of Alaska. And I sat there with the superintendent, Kate. We got to meet with him, uh, Bill Welch, who also was at CBC in 1983 with us. And, um, you know, uh, he began telling the story of a hundred unreached areas of Alaska that need pastors, missionaries, of churches all across Alaska that need pastors, missionaries. And God has opened up a door for us to go back next year. We're going to go and we're going to go into the bush and begin filming the need to, to bring the message to the church 
in America, to our church, to the Assemblies of God, folks, so that we can see the next generation answer the call of God. Because I'm telling you what, it's not. this has nothing to do with politics. It doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter who has a shot, who doesn't have a shot. What matters is Jesus Christ. What people need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor was telling me a story of getting saved. I remember 1981. I grew up in an Assemblies of God church just like this. We were in the middle of revival. I saw blind eyes open. I remember Charles Arnold, who was blind, came into our church in the 70s. And I watched a man get healed of blindness. But I still went away from God in the middle of that church. And I came back to God. I was 16 years old. I was in drugs. I was a thief. I robbed one place 18 times in a 24-hour period. And I grew up in a church just like this. But one day, somebody came with the message and God got a hold of me. 1981 and changed my life. How the Holy Spirit came in. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today. And forever, and I know if he could do it for me, he'll do it for others. That's what we, that's why we have a Bible college. That's why we're reaching to train the next generation. That's why we're doing missions. That's why we're in the city of New Orleans, right in a place that I've seen violence and every kind of other thing that in the assemblies, that's amongst the assemblies of God, that we have not had a church in the assemblies of God before we got there for 40 years to be planted in that area. Everybody talks about coming to New Orleans, and they really mean Metairie. They're not coming into the city. They're not coming to where the need is. Number 16. The next day, it says, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, you've killed the Lord's people. You remember, if you go up in the passage, Korah had come out against Moses and Aaron. And in a rebellion, God had opened up the earth. And now this is the next day they're coming out the pasture there. <laughs> Pastor Ron. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it along with burning coals from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead and the plague stopped. Father, we just thank you, Father, for your word this morning. It does not return void. And God, I believe you're going to do something here this morning to challenge our hearts. Amen, amen, amen. In this passage, we find Israel under the wrath of a holy and offended God. They had challenged God's decision to make Aaron and his son priest. And God had judged the opposition. And now the whole Israelite community is against Moses and Aaron they had, in effect, challenged God's authority, his wisdom, his purpose. So, so the presence of God comes down, and God begins to destroy the offenders through a plague. Immediately, people began to die, and in the midst of what was going on, Moses shows his heart of righteousness, his heart of mercy, and begins to stand in the gap for Israel. 
They had come out against Moses. They had come out against Aaron. But now that those two men are interceding for them. Aaron is told to run to the altar to get some burning coals, burn the incense, and stand between those who are living and those who are dead. The day God gave me this message was um, in 1994. I'd gone down to New Orleans, and um, I had been minister. We began the Bible College uh, School of Urban Missions, and we'd go out into these urban areas. We'd minister. And amongst the gangs, I remember we'd go into one area in particular, and the gangs marched around like a small little army, all these young kids, you know. And uh, we saw one, you know, sometimes the cops would be running through the area, and we'd see the people on the balcony laughing and just the most craziest mayhem you'd ever seen. I'd go into these areas, and and we'd see some kids get saved. And, you know, we were just, we, we'd do tent crusades, we'd do outreaches, and we'd do ministry. And um, one day, though, I remember, I remember we were out in the Magnolia Projects. There were 13 projects in New Orleans, and um, they had about five to 6,000 people in them. And we were out there on a Sunday afternoon. It was sunny. I had preached down in Chalmette, down in the parish, as they say, down, down in uh, New Orleans, and um, come back, and we had a missionary from uh, New York. Uh, sidewalk, the guy, one of the founders, Bill Wilson, was with us. And uh, he was standing there, me, George, no, Bill Wilson. We were looking at the projects. We were thinking about starting a sidewalk Sunday school in one of these projects. We were standing about 30 feet from the curb, and two young men ran out in the street as this young man came down, down the road in a, on a motorcycle. And they just gunned him down right there. I mean, people were running, screaming. Police would put out cones for 32 bullets. 32 bullets. These two young kids, they were kids, they were young, stepped out. They had black bandanas covering their face. And they gunned this boy down. And this boy got up off his bike. He tried to walk away. He had a helmet on. He had short. The bike was green. And they kept just shooting. Folks, you know, I think to myself, you think that was a long time ago, but that's going on in our country all over the place right now. Right now. We've had more gun violence in the past, in 2020, than we, in in history in a a very long time. It's risen, folks. And folks, I'm telling you, the answer has nothing to do with what's going on in Washington. The answer is right here this morning in our church. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember going over there and we prayed for that boy as his blood pooled out. And I thought he had passed away. Years later, I found out that boy lived. That boy, his body was riddled with bullets, but I believe because we were there and prayed for him, that God gave that boy another chance. Come on, church. That night, I remember thinking about what had just happened and and God was allowed, you know, it wasn't of God, but God allowed me to be there to see what I was fighting for. Since that day, I can't tell you how many young people, how many young people that I've had the privilege of leading to Christ, but also those that I've buried. Just a couple of years ago, you know, as we were embarking on this new ministry, 
One of our young people that we baptized got filled with the Holy Spirit, but he got stuck back in the gangs. And that's just the stuff going on, pulling them, pulling these kids back. And I remember telling Jerome uh, he had gotten put into jail. And I went and, you know, he's, he got jail house religion for a moment. I went and talked to Jerome and I said, Jerome, I don't even know what to pray for you to get out of here. Because you're angry. You're so angry. You're going to get shot with that anger. And that's exactly what happened. We were on a trip. We found out that he went and got angry and beat somebody up. And then someone came back with a gun and point blank emptied a whole clip of gun right into his chest. Had to come back home to do a funeral. Folks, what we are fighting for is life and death. It's eternity. You say, man, that's so far-fetched from Springfield. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But we are fighting for souls. Say, Pastor, how's this? What does this have to do with Christmas? Folks, it's the reason Jesus came. It's why God sent his son to this earth. He sent his son to this earth to be born. Hallelujah. And, 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 but, but to live and, and to be the example and walk as we should walk and to be our example, but then to die on a cross, to take our place on a cross. Christ's coming points to a cross where Jesus Christ would give the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could receive salvation. Hallelujah. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes? To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Hallelujah. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. To faith, as the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. But then in that passage right there in the very next verse, in verse 18, it says, for the wrath of God is being revealed, not sometime in the future, but right now, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth. And you know, you read Romans chapter 1 and you begin to see the degradation of humanity and it says when they chose not to keep God in their thinking, God gave them over to their own lust. And then you see the sins of homosexuality and the other sins coming after that, a further degradation into the world of sin. And there's no mention of the devil. As Jeremiah says, the heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? Man without God, folks. Man without God. We've seen it in the last two years. How much more? I mean, it's been in the news. All this stuff going on, the streets burning and in the last two or three years. I want to tell you something. COVID is not the worst thing that's going on in our country, folks. Sin and the cure. The cure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In this passage, the Bible says the plague has gone out and the plague, the plague represents sin. 
You know, the plague represents the condition of man. The, the plague represents what man cannot do in himself to redeem himself or do anything for himself to fix his dilemma. The plague represents what we cannot do. But hallelujah, thank God for Jesus Christ, for what man could not do, what no one could do, God did by the sending of his son, born of a virgin. Hallelujah. Born under the law. Romans chapter 8. Thank God for that. Jesus Christ came to set us free. The wrath of God is being revealed against heaven over over sin. But listen, God's answer is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for the wrath of God remains upon him. And you know what, folks? Here's the thing about this passage. When I look at this passage and the thing that God has so ingrained in me that the answer is what God has done through Jesus Christ, but it doesn't stop there. When Jesus left this earth, he gave the church a mission. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach them to observe everything I've told you baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll be with you to the very ends of the earth. When you look at this passage, you know, the people had come out against Moses and Aaron. They're, they're coming out to get the pasture, man. It's always the pastor's fault, you know. Anyway, <laughs> you know, they're coming out to get the messenger. But instead of the messenger, and you know, you think to yourself, well, man, the whole world is against Christianity. You know, isn't that right? It seems like that the whole world's again. Listen, folks, our heart needs to be like Moses and Aaron, though the whole world is coming out against us. We need not to be mad at them. We don't need to be their judge. There's only one judge in heaven and earth. We need the heart of God, the heart of mercy, the heart of intercession, the heart that's going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's what's going to set them free. When Moses and Aaron should have been saying, yeah, Lord, get that one over there. They made some mean looks towards me. No, they fell on their knees and they stood in intercession. Hearts of mercy. Hearts of mercy. Hallelujah. We've been saved. Hallelujah. You know, we took a girl on this trip. I got some testimonies. There, there was a girl. There's a girl on that trip. That came with us, so she just started up. And then when I was going over the film for, uh, for this video, I'm going to show you in just a few minutes, um, that I made for the Assemblies of God U.S. missions some years ago, a few years ago. There was a girl that we filmed and she was in our church and eight years old. Her household has been filled with gang violence and drugs. Her dad's been in prison. But I want to tell you right now where that girl is, Andres is. Andres was on that trip with us, and she's in Bible college now, training, amen, to be a missionary. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. That's the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we had one girl with us. Oh, she was a mean girl. Well, I hope this, I don't know where this is going. I hope she's not watching, but she was a mean girl. And two days before we left, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And we had the opportunity to disciple her on this trip. Come on, church. Jesus is still saving people, setting people free. Hearts of mercy. 
Moses and Aaron should have been saying, get him, Lord, still. Instead, they fell on their face before God. And our attitude in the church has to change. We have to, we've become sideline observers, just like those who see it every day. But we have, and sometimes we become numb to the murders and all the stuff coming towards us because we see it so much on television. But Christ forgave those who nailed him to the cross. I think about that all the time. Those that had yanked out his beard and nailed him to that cross. And he hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The heart of God, the heart of mercy. The great command right there in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 precedes the great commission. We can talk about, we're going to sing about over the next few weeks, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But people will never experience peace on earth until they make peace with God, folks. Just like you and I. I had all the turmoil. I was sitting in church three times. Ooh, we'd go to, that, that was minimum back then. Remember back in the 70s? That was min. You could say, I know there's people older than me in here. So minimum three days, amen, to church. And then if you had a revival service for weeks, every night you were there. My dad's six foot four. I was going to church. They used to beat kids back then. I don't know if I can say that anymore. You know, that was good. I, it helped me. I needed to be beat. <laughs> We just do that down in South Louisiana. Y'all never be, are y'all just being silent? Anyway, they got a, they got a taste of you, so I know they prepared for me. <laughs> I'm just an old rascal too. Hearts of mercy. Someone to run and stand. Someone to run and stand. The third thing in this passage, Someone needs to run. Moses and Aaron did it. When you look at this passage, what stopped the plague? How did God come down? How did God do it? God had someone. He had a man. He had a called man to run with the fire. Take that, take that fire and that, those coals and that incense and burn it to come and make atonement for the people. I think about uh, Acts chapter 10. You know, the angel appears before Cornelius, you know, and uh, here's Cornelius. He's a Rome, he's a Roman centurion. The angel appears before him and says, Hey, hey, Cornelius, the Lord's heard your prayers. I want you to go to Joppa and there's this man named Peter and he's going to tell you what you need to know. Why didn't the angel tell him how to get saved and save him the trip? Because it's not the angel's job. It's our job. It's the church's job to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. When I think about this passage, when I studied this, you know, Aaron is 100 years old. Right here, I, I read from the scholars. That's what they said. Aaron was 100 years old. I don't know. We got anybody here 100 years old in here? Well, no 100-year-old people in here, but Aaron was 100 years old at this point when Moses tells him, get up. You know, and says they were kneeling down. 
you know, I don't know about you. I'm just in my late fifties now, but, uh, it gets harder and harder to get out of bed. And, you know, once you get on your knees to pray, you know, to get up, right? You need existence. You know, you got to put your hand on something. You know, it might be, might be, it might be Mexican Villa. I don't know. Waiting me over a little bit, but you got to, you get on your knees. You know, Aaron's a hundred years old. And Moses says, hey, Moses, hey, Aaron, uh, run to the altar. He tells him to run. Hey, 100 years old, you might, be, you might not be running nowhere. You might be a brisk walk. You know what that represents to me? It represents, it represents to me that no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, no matter what we think about ourselves, God can use us. God can use us. God wants to use us. Someone has to run, folks. Error represents those who will do what God has called them to do, irregardless of their perceived talents or ability. Someone had to do something. Aaron did it. The fire in the altar represent the fact that it is only through the blood of Jesus, the true sacrifice, and through the power of the Holy Spirit that the job is going to get done. The incense represents the prayers of the saints. Revelations 8, 3, and 4, the Bible gives a picture into heaven. It says another angel who had a golden incenser came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Listen, folks, in this church, We know what it's going to take. It's going to take someone to run. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take prayer. But it's also going to take us being willing to do what it takes to see others come to know Jesus. Or maybe you're not called to New Orleans, or maybe you're not called to Dearborn, Michigan. Maybe you're not called to Orem, Utah, or to some remote part of Alaska. Maybe you're right here, your next door neighbor, they don't know Jesus Christ, and you can go bake a pie or invite them to some of the services that you've got going on here. The power of God's in this place. Not all it takes is for someone to go. And to say, come on, come to church with me. Would you come to church with me? We've got some great singing. It's Christmas. Can I tell you, can I pray? Is there anything I can pray with you about? Go next door and say, can I pray for you? Is there anything we can pray with you? Look, I know Springfield. I know there's a church on every corner. There's churches all over through here. But y'all know, just like I do, just because people go to church don't mean they're serving the Lord. Come on, church. Amen. Just like just uh, just because you go to McDonald's, don't make you a happy meal. Just because you go to church, don't make you a Christian. Romans ten thirteen through fifteen. It says, "Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you go down to verse 17, it says, So faith 
comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Would you stand with me? We're not all called to be pastors, apostles, evangelists, missionaries, teachers. But we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a child. The pastor was talking about family members that don't know Jesus. This might be the season. This might be the time for you to open your mouth and say, hey, Jesus Christ is the answer. God loves you so much. He sent his son. You know what Christmas is about? You know what it's about? You know what it's really about? It's about the sending of a Savior. You know what it's really about? It's about the coming of our Messiah. You know what it's really about? It's, it's about Emmanuel, God coming to be with us, to redeem us so that he could live inside of us. You know the peace on earth that uh, we sing about? That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Peace of God that passes all understanding. Come in your heart through Jesus Christ. God wants to use us, folks. God wants to use this church. He wants to use us to shake our community with the good news of Jesus Christ to bring the presence of God and revival in our families. Come on, church. The power of the Holy Spirit's there. Hallelujah. Say, where's the spirit of revival? There's no mention of revival in the New Testament. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of revival, the spirit of the prophet was upon them. Your sons and your daughters. Your young men. Dream dreams. Your old men. Seeing visions even upon your handmaidens and servants. I'll pour out my spirit. And that spirit being poured out is so that we could fulfill the mission that God has given us. Every single person in here, God wants to put his fire in your heart so you will run and take a stand between those it's too late for and those who have a chance. You have an opportunity to see God set people free. There's another Anthony Freeman out there. Waiting for someone. And you know who told, you know who witnessed to me? My mom. My mom. My mom. I was 16 years old. I was about to go around the street. Sorry, hon. I was about to see a girl around the street. I was trying to sneak out of the house. I met on a Wednesday night. I don't know if I'd ever told my wife that. I think. <clears throat> I was about to sneak out the house trying to go see a girl. I was full of the devil. My mom, she had discernment. And she read my mail. How many of you know what I'm talking about? She said, sit down, boy, you ain't going nowhere. You've been doing drugs. Holy Spirit's been telling me. She read my mail, everything I'd been doing. I'd wondered who she'd been talking to. I was about to go beat up one of my friends. Who told my mom? God told my mom. And my mom didn't wince, mince no words. She says, you know, you're going to hell. Woo! That's what she said to me, Brother Ron. She wasn't nice. There was no friendship evangelism going on. 
She told me, you're going to hell, boy. You can't come to heaven because of me. In the middle of that, God struck my heart. Our God hit me. Folks, you don't have to save nobody. You don't have to change nobody's heart. You don't have to do what man can't do. All you have to do is bring the message. And the God who backs that message is the one that will come in. How shall they call upon the one whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear unless someone tells them? Folks, this is the real reason for the season. Would you bow your head with me? This morning, I I feel led right now. Every person that has somebody, a loved one, a person right now that you say, I need that person. They need Jesus. I want you to lift your hand right now. They need Jesus. We're going to lift them up right now. Father, right now we lift up our unsaved loved ones, friends, family members that need you, that are desperate, Lord, that are living, Lord, uh, that they're dead while they live, Lord God. And, Lord, they need the good news of Jesus Christ. They need to come to an altar of repentance, Lord God. Lord, they need to get set free, Lord God. And I, we, we lift them up right now, Lord God. We lift them up before your throne, Lord God. Lord, to be part of that incense being burned before your nostrils right now. We lift up, name their name, call their name out right now. Call their name out right now. I call out my sister Elizabeth right now. Not serving you right now, Lord. I call out my sister. She once knew you, Lord. I call her out, her husband, her son. Lord, right now, Lord God, and I pray, Lord, for an opportunity, each and every one of us, to share Jesus, the good news, Lord God. You're going to make a way that see where there seems to be no way, Lord God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord praise, church. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. And this morning, while our heads are bowed, maybe this morning you're here. Someone has to run with the fire. Maybe you're a young person, old person, doesn't matter who it is. But you sense that God is speaking to you. He's calling you into ministry. That he's calling you to be a person that's going to answer his call. To go out into the world and to bring the gospel message. That's you this morning. I want you to lift your hand up real quick. Come on, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. Right now, Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. Come on. Say, God has called me to the ministry right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come. Come on, Pastor Ron. Come on, I'm going to ask you to come forward right now. You called to ministry. You know God's been speaking to your heart. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Stretch your hands forward here. We're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we're, we're praying, Lord God. We thank you for the harvest, Lord. The harvest is great, but the labors are few. Lord, you're calling forth labors into your harvest field right now, Lord God. Lord God, the harvest fields are white and right on the harvest, Lord God. And you're sending forth labors, Lord God. 
to go out into the world and to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. People who are not ashamed, who are not afraid, that you put your fire in their heart and they're going to run like Aaron and take a stand between the living and the dead, Lord God. God, we just praise you right now, Father. I thank you for this young lady, Lord, right now, that your anointing would be upon her, that you'd make a way for her, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Lord God. And I believe there's others in here, God, that need to be down here, Father. And Father, we just thank you, Lord. This is the final hour. This is the final hour, Lord God. And Lord, we want to say yes to you in this hour, Lord God. Jesus, Jesus, we say yes to you as the church, Lord God, to send. We say yes to you, Lord God, to respond. We say yes to you, Lord God, to pray, Lord God. We say yes to you to give, Lord God. We say yes to you to intercede. Lord, we say yes to you, Lord, to tell the world about Jesus. We give you praise, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.